You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys this morning. Man, that was a, uh, a hopefully a refreshing time of worship in, in the sense of that we sense and see uh, the Bible teaches that there's forgiveness in Christ. And then when we take communion together, that reminds us of the work of Christ on the cross that we don't have to atone for our sins. Jesus Christ atones for our sins. And so in that uh, kind of time where I, I taught on this last week about confession, and the, the importance of confession is that it cleanses you. Uh, it's a process in which you clarify that Jesus Christ cleanses you, and we're made clean and new. And so in our time of communion and worship, that's a time to kind of be renewed and say, Lord, I'm, 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 I need a new day. I need a new week uh, ahead of me. Forgive me. I need you. I love you. In Jesus' name. And so here's, here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to be walking through 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, working through the text, answering the question is, uh, what, what is uh, this life all about and what's the plan? And so before we get started this morning, let me just give you a quick update about some of our campus projects. Uh, um, we uh, submitted permits. Pray with me this week. Uh, Lord willing, we get some word back from the city as whether our second round of uh, permits being submitted have been approved, and uh, Lord willing, then we could start some construction, right? Wouldn't that be great? And uh, thank you guys. Many of you signed up and started volunteering on the land to help clean up kind of pre-permit phase. Uh, we've been doing that. Many of you, most of you, uh, were a part of that financially contributing and then physically cleaning up the property over this last year. So thank you for doing that. It is making a huge difference. Uh, churches, uh, neighborhood groups have started. Life is happening here in the North Valley. And so we're excited. You might have received an invitation, a special invitation. It was called a vision briefing. Um, those of you that weren't here when we started our, uh, our, our strategic initiative to secure that property, um, we're inviting all of you that weren't a part of that uh, strategic initiative to secure the property, renovate it, and uh, all that. So to uh, show up on uh, a special vision briefing that'll be on the campus in the next uh, couple of weeks. So if you got that via email or a mailed invitation, uh, I, I hope to see you there. I'll be there and it'll give you an opportunity to ask questions about the campus, the projects, all that. And uh, I want to invite you to participate and contribute to be a part of what God's doing here at the North Valley uh, Community Church. So Here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, I want to go ahead and ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. This is a time where we orient what we're going to be talking about today, and you'll get kind of a, a, a big understanding of the passages we're going to be working through. So let, let me read this aloud. It says, uh, John, the apostle, writes this. He says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not Keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
give us a fresh understanding, a fresh renewal, and encouragement of how, Lord, that we navigate through this life. God, when we set plans and purposes for the year and we move forward and things change, God, how do we respond? How do we move through this? And Lord, thank you for the Father heart uh, that we see in the Apostle John writing to us to help us understand as in our identity as believers kids of the King, Lord, children of God, sons and daughters of righteousness through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to understand, Lord, the plan and the purposes for life and living everything that we can for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, let me just clarify just a couple of things real quick before we get going. When I titled the message series, This Is the Life, I need you to understand something. There is a life the Bible talks about living that is incredibly valuable, important, and should be just wonderful. Jesus says, you know, that he, he offers abundant life. But please don't hear me. I have not over-realized uh, thinking that there is a, this life is better than the life to come. Okay, so the life to come in heaven far out see, exceeds this life. So every time you hit problems, every time your plans don't work out and you sin, you struggle, you find hurt, you struggle being a Christian, and then you're, you're in this turmoil, you need to understand something. What I'm not talking about is the life that we can have right now is somehow better than the life that is to come. Okay, this is just a dim shadow life here and now as to what is to come. And there's kind of two camps. Some camps will will talk about this life is just all health, wealth, gospel prosperity. It's like you're just living your best life now. Let me tell you something. The best life is not now, it's later. So, so, so there is a life right now, though, that we can experience, walk in, live in, according to God's word, living according to this. And it's better than every other option out there because Jesus's ways are always better than our ways. Amen. And so when we talk about the best, the, this is the life, it's the life in Jesus Christ. It's living not for ourselves, but living for God, not walking in disobedience and darkness, but walking in the light of Christ and God's word and God's ways. So here's the deal. What, what do you do when you have a plan in life to follow God, have a God-honoring marriage, God-honoring children, and things don't go right? I mean, how do you navigate that? You know, like your, your business isn't going right. You're finding yourself just more discouraged and more depressed than you had hoped for. So what is the plan? Are you not Christian? What's wrong with you? You have all these thoughts. And this morning, what John does is he's writing to his, 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 the churches that are scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and he takes a fatherly heart. He was Jesus' nearest and dearest. He was his earliest adopter into the disciple, uh, the disciples, the 12 apostles, and he is, lives the longest in life. So he has, in many ways, so much to offer us, and he wants us, first thing to do is to discover the purpose of life. Westminster Catechism summarizes this, this doctrinal idea of the purpose of life. The question is, is, you know, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Glorifying God means living a life that is, is walking away from sin and darkness and living a life in the light of Christ, in obedience, trusting and obeying. And John Piper has said it, awesome little 
pastor theologian of our century has said, we are most satisfied in life when God is most, what? Glorified. I've said it like this. I say, you have to get in line with your design. God created you. When you walk in line with your design, you're glorifying him. You enjoy him the most. When you turn away from sin and you live towards righteousness and the life that Jesus Christ offers you, that's the greatest experience of life. So when plans go wrong, and they do, and we sin, and we hurt each other, we need to remember we were made to magnify Jesus Christ. What is the chief in the man? Glorify God. Enjoy him. So is there joy in this life? Absolutely. You enjoy him now. You'll enjoy him later. And so this morning, the apostle John writes, and he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. You know, interestingly enough, he starts with this. He wants you to understand before we get going and and understanding sin, uh, struggle, what Christ's role is, how come we're not experiencing life sometimes, walking in darkness and disobedience. He says, I want you to remember who you are, that you belong to Christ. There's three things, kind of three phrases that I've used to help us understand our, uh, the church and Christ is that we belong. If we profess Jesus Christ as Lord, we belong to him. You can't get out of his family. You were adopted into a relationship with God the Father. The price was paid. You were adopted. The purchase of the adoption was Jesus Christ on the cross. And you belong, you belong, you belong. And so when you hear the voices against you saying that you're not loved by God or you're not, you're, you're, you're not even a daughter of Christ or you're not a, a son of Christ, you're, you're, you're an orphan. That's not the voice of God. What John's saying is he starts right here. He says, my little children. He wants them to understand they belong. Now, here's the deal. John believes tremendously that if you profess Jesus Christ as Lord, you believe these things, it ought to change everything about you. That uh, there's this movement in the Christian faith where you belong to him and you believe. You begin to believe with a greater magnitude. So much that all the disciples would lay down their lives and be martyrs for their faith in Jesus Christ. There's a movement of belong, believe, and then there is behave. And John wants to talk to us about our character, our actions, how we're living Our sin, our struggle, sin is anything that lives contrary to God's word. Sin does this. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. In other words, the goal is in the Christian life is that you turn away from sin and turn towards your Savior. Amen? That you glorify God. You glorify God when you walk away from sin. So there's got to always be this action October is the month of Reformation historically, and Luther said it like this. He said, the Christian life always needs to be this daily rhythm of confessing sin because you see your sin and you turn away from it and you walk towards Christ. And so he's saying, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. What's the goal? The goal is to walk away from sin, not to sin. He's not talking about sinless perfectionism because he already said that, right? Last week I talked to you. He said, if you say that we have no sin, you're a liar. And the truth's not in you. That's the trap of perfectionism. 
He says that's not what he's, that's not what he's talking about. You know, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they got, uh, thankfully, they set a good goal the other day just to beat San Francisco. Okay, that was the goal. The goal was to win. Stanton said this. He said, the quarterback, he said, I had one goal in mind, to win. Praise God, Stanton. I'm glad you had that goal. Uh, the goal is to win. It's not to lose. And John says, you got to clarify your purpose. Is, is the goal to just struggle and stay in sin and defeat? Or is the goal walking in victory, walking in the promises and the cleansing power of Jesus Christ? The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead rests in us. That's pretty powerful. Will we sin? Will we struggle? Yes. And, but there's something we need to understand about if we are going to live this life that I'm talking about. We need to not only discover the purpose of life, but we need to know the person who gives life. We're going to slow down right here, and I want to spend a lot of time through this part. This is the believe section. This is the part like, what do we believe? This is core Christian doctrine. This is core essential truths that define our faith. And they give us a great level of freedom and joy. And so we look at the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is the remedy for all our sin, all of our struggle. We need to know two things we know about Jesus. Number one, that Jesus is our advocate. He's our advocate. John says, but listen, but if anyone does sin, so he knows you're going to sin. The goal is not to sin. He said, if anyone does sin, listen, we have an advocate. We, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The advocate, literally the Greek word there is parakletos. It's only used here in 1 John, right here in verse 1. John, the apostle, uses it later in the gospel of John four times to help describe the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. So when you're struggling with sin, hurt, pain, things aren't going according to plan. Your marriage is not where you know it needs to be. Your personal life you know is not where it needs to be. Your hurts, your habits, your hangups, all of that is not working out according to the plan. Know the person who gives life. Jesus is our advocate. The role of an attorney, in a sense. He is the one who helps defend us against the enemy's accusations. He's the one who protects us and preserves us. He's the one who upholds the law and helps us to apply the law, God's word. In a sense, Jesus is our attorney who presents our case before the holy and the righteous judge. And that judge is God himself. And what we have, the scripture tells us, is if, if how do we deal with sin? We've got to know the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the most important event. This is atonement. This is what brings us together with God. This is how we live the life, is we not only need to understand the purpose of life, but we need to know the person who gives life. There is no life in yourself. There is life in Jesus Christ. The new age spiritualism of our day says, look within and you can find this, this help with inside. 
No, 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 no. That is not true. The, tr the help that you need comes from outside of you. Luther called it alien righteousness, meaning it's not in here. It's out there. It's in Christ, and he resides within you, and you need an advocate. You need a helper. That's why confession is so important, where you say to yourself, I confess I need help living the life that you want me to live, God. I want to glorify you. The role of an attorney is to present somebody a case in court before a judge to help uphold the law, apply the law, protect the individual's rights. You have an attorney. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is your advocate. Protecting you from whom and how? Well, the Bible talks about this holy, righteous God, and there has to be a holy, righteous God who upholds all righteousness, a God who hates sin, a God who, who hates uh, evil and will bring justice. This advocate, alarming as it may be, is not just simply protecting you from yourself. It's protecting you against the very wrath and the righteousness of God. Look what it says in the text. Jesus, the second thing we're going to learn is Jesus is our propitiation. This is a big word. Let's say it together. Jesus is our propitiation. You guys got to say that better. Jesus is our propitiation. Big word. Important word. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only, not only ours only, but also for the whole world. Propitiation, how do we understand this word? Before we fully grasp this meaning of propitiation, I'd encourage you to take notes on this section because this is so foundational to our Christian thinking and theology. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, there is good news. But many times you're not told the reality that God is such a holy, righteous God that he hates sin there needs to be an advocate, an attorney, pleading the case that you're, 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 you're innocent before, Christ, before God the Father, and that there is this wrath of God against all evil. Here it is. Before we understand this word, we need to understand, number one, that God is holy. He's holy. All throughout Scripture, I mean, he just says, God is light. He's this consuming fire. I talked about this last week. There is no darkness in God. He's not capricious. There's not two sides to him. He's fully holy, completely righteous. God is holy. All throughout scripture, right? Like you can, you can understand that. You believe that. You're like, yeah, Ryan, I, I've read enough in scripture. I believe that God is holy. Second point to understand propitiation is we need to understand that we are sinful. We are sinful, meaning we violate God's law, intentionally or unintentionally, by omission or commission, we are sinful. You don't have to be even a Christian to see the problems and the struggle and the sin in our world. Just like this last week, I'm reading the paper and I hear about a baby being drowned by a discouraged, deranged mother. I see the paper this morning about officers being killed. Like, it doesn't take very much news in the media to see that we live in a hurt world where there's rape, there's murder, 
There's, there's abuse. There's domestic violence. There's drug cartels pushing drugs that are destroying people's lives. Like sin is everywhere. And so the Bible says that, you know, that we are sinful. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We, you think of those as big sins, but all sins are the same to God. Every sin, because he's holy and just, all sins are equal to God. So the sin of lying or the sin of deceit or the sin of uh, withholding and bitterness, anger, unrighteous anger, all of that is sin. Anything that is contrary to God's written moral and holy law is sin. The big sins, the little sins, the sins of commission, the things that you do, those are sinful and they, they are put you in a place where you are guilty before the holy king of heaven, that you're guilty. You've sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, meaning we've missed the mark, right? We've missed the mark. And that the wages of sin is what? Death. Eternal separation from God. First thing you need to understand is God is holy. Second thing, we are sinful. Number three, you need to understand God hates sin. He hates sin. Like, he doesn't just have a little bit of hatred towards sin. No, he really, really hates sin. He hates all the injustice that you and I see on TV. He hates all the lying and the deception. He hates the betrayal that he sees in marriages. He hates all sin. He hates sin. In fact, the Old Testament is filled with accounts where God's hatred of sin is called classified as God's wrath being poured out upon sinful nations. And he's purifying the world. That's why you see the flood that happened with, in Noah's day in Sodom and Gomorrah. This whole city was destroyed. You say, good gosh, where's the good news? Well, the, the high king of heaven is so holy I told you this before, I think that in my life is that the older I get in my faith, the more kind of humbled I'm becoming because the light and the intensity of Christ is so bright, so powerful that no sin is being hidden in the shadows the, old, the longer I get in my faith. Some people would argue the opposite and say that they're, they're all the more perfect over the years. They've just kind of moved through those struggles and the sins of the past. And I'd say the greater in the intensity that you get closer to the light, what, the, more, the, more, the more flaws that you can see. God is so holy. God wants perfection. God wants a, a complete, righteous, ruling, reigning heaven on earth. His will be done. His kingdom come. Amen? He's a holy, righteous judge. Every injustice that you see will be overturned one day. Every wrongdoer, every act of terror, of ISIS, criminals, lawbreakers, murderers, thieves, though they may get off now, there will be a day where they will give account because God will make every wrong right. He will serve full justice. He hates sin. What about your sin? He hates your sin. Does he hate you? No, he does not hate you. He loves the person. You've heard it said like this, God hates sin and he loves the sinner. I think that's fair. Jesus was a friend of sinners. God loves, he says, look, look what it says. He is, that's Jesus, 
is the propitiation. You're saying, what is that? I'm getting there. For our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Every lawbreaker, every sinner, everybody. He is the propitiation. That word just simply means that he satisfies the wrath of God. That he satisfies the wrath of God. So the three things I've said thus far to understand propitiation is God is holy. We are sinful. God hates sin. Can't you agree with that? Can't you agree that isn't he right to hate sin? Like what kind of capricious God would love sin? That's terrible. No, God hates sin. He loves the sinner. So how does he, a perfectly holy, righteous, almighty, all-powerful God, hate the sin in you and me, but preserve the person, the sinner? Because here's, here's how. The fourth point in propitiation is that Jesus dies for sin. He dies for sin. He takes the whole world's sin upon himself. And he dies in our spot. First Peter 3.18 says, Christ died once for all sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus becomes the lightning rod of God's wrath. He becomes on, on Calvary, on the cross. Jesus becomes the lightning rod. God hates sin, sees all the sin. But guess what? Jesus makes an exchange with you and me. So here's becoming the good news. Jesus said, you give me your sin and I'll give you righteousness. That's a deal. But see, because God is so holy, he doesn't excuse sin. He doesn't excuse it at all in your life. He sees it. And so what puts you in this place where you're in utter terror before God is the cross of Jesus Christ? That Jesus Christ is the propitiation. That he has satisfied the holy demands of a high king of heaven that is perfect, sinless, 100% righteous. Jesus Christ is that propitiation. He stands in our place. He is the advocate. So in this sense, Jesus is our advocate. He's the one who comes into the high king of heaven's courtroom and says, let me tell you about this individual right over here, God, the father. Look, you see this individual, though he's sinning in his marriage, he's sinning in his life, he's cheating on his tax returns, he's doing all these things. I know you see those. I paid for those. Do you see the cross? This is the portfolio of my life and my work. And you know, God the Father, that I've lived perfect, obedient. I've fulfilled the law in every degree. And because of my love for them, this person's covered. He's righteous. He has freedom with you. All debts are paid. Are you with me? Jesus is your advocate. Jesus is your propitiation. What does that do for you? This, this is what it should do for you. Stop trying to atone for your sins. Stop trying to do good deeds in order to be loved by God. You're loved by God because of the work of Jesus Christ, because the advocate brought the portfolio forward to the high king of heaven and said, look, look what I've done. And somehow in God's sovereign design, he planned all that out. So God gets glory, not you. Jesus is a propitiation. He died for our sins. Number five, oh my goodness, 
I hope you write this down. If you don't, memorize this. Propitiation means we get the Father's favor, not His fury. That's good. So the Father, He hates sin. He sees your sinful life, your lies, all your deceit, your double standards, your act of perfectionism, all that. He sees all that because he's all powerful. Quit lying to yourself. He sees all that and he says, I'm not angry against this individual because I see the work of my son. It's changed my heart. This individual doesn't get my fury They only will find my favor. That's all they'll find. And you say, well, how long? How many deaths must Jesus die? One. The Bible says Christ died once for all sins. He went to the cross once for all sins. And you say, well, well, will that appeasement, will that satisfaction last throughout my whole life no matter what I do? I could be accused of cheap grace. I'd say, it's not cheap grace, it's... Great grace paid out on the cross of Jesus Christ. No matter what you've done over there, the Bible's word stands true. It's been paid for. It's all been taken care of. So what do you do over here? You don't have to atone for your sins. All you do is place your faith in Jesus Christ, the advocate, the propitiation for your sins. That's what you do. So we can get it wrong. Easily and be misguided so quickly. Jesus Christ is our advocate. He's the helper. Jesus Christ is our propitiation. I hope that you fall in love with that phrase better. Because it'll help you not to try to atone for your sins anymore. It'll help you to magnify God and his grace more. It'll help you to see your sin and just quit. Just call it sin and just say... I'm lost without Christ. There's no access. Romans says you have peace with God. This is how you get through. You have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you have peace. Always look to the cross. I preached that on 9-11. Look to the cross. Look to the cross. It's, 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 It's in the middle of our logo. North Valley. The cross, the cross, the cross. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our propitiation. How are you going to experience the life that you want to live, that God wants for you to live? Discover the purpose of life. You glorify him in your marriage, in your business, in your parenting, in everything you do. Say, I want to bring you more glory. I want to walk away from sin. Second thing, oh my goodness, do this. So know the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Know that he is your advocate. Know that he's your propitiation. Know the person. Over the years, I've grown. I'm growing. Praise God. I hope I continue to grow in more and a greater love for Jesus Christ as I get to know Him better. Jesus is our advocate. He is our propitiation. Let's continue to move on. How do we move forward? From understanding our belonging, our identity, we are children of God. Amen? We are children of God. How? Because Christ adopts us in. Isn't that good? We're children 
Always, we're never kicked out because we have an advocate. We have an advocate always there to preserve us in the family. And it's not based on our, our performance. It's not based on our behavior. It's based on Christ's behavior. It's based on Christ's perfect work. So we must discover the, the purpose of life. Glorifying God must understand the person who is our life, Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, we need to follow God's plan for life. Follow God's plan for life. This is the part where I'm saying belong, believe, believe in Jesus. He is your advocate. He is your propitiation. Behave. And you say behave. I mean Christian character. Good grief, we stand in a day and a time where character is out the back door oftentimes. Character is what shines and showcases the majesty of God. The Bible says, For it is by grace you've been saved uh, through faith. This is not of your own works. It's a gift of God. It goes on, and Paul says in Ephesians, and he says, We are his workmanship. The idea of character is that you've been chiseled out and God's working on you. And character doesn't happen in a night. It happens over decades of walking with Jesus. And what the reality is, is some of you have higher Christian character than others. And why is that? A couple things. One is you've been belonging for a good while. You've been walking with Jesus. You've been believing with more ability or, or, or more, more whatever capacity. You've been receiving God's word. And then you're walking in the truth. You're behaving and you're following after Christ. The plan. What's the plan? Follow God's plan for life. Number one, keep his commands with life service, not lip service. I'm talking about your whole life is characterized. If Jesus said, if you have my commands, you're the one who loves me. And whoever loves me, Jesus said, will be loved by my father. And I too will live with him, dwell with him. Jesus also blasted the Pharisees. They gave Jesus lip service at times, but their life was in disservice. John the apostle follows in Jesus's mantras and his message. And he says, verse three and four, And by this we know, how do you know if you're living God's plan for life? We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. What are those commandments? I think he will help us understand this later in chapter 2, verse 7, later in chapter 3, verse 23. He's talking and referring to the greatest commandments, and that is to love God and to love neighbor. Let me ask you a question. Do you love God? The first thing that comes to your mind is, no, I do not. I'd say you're not a believer. You don't know Jesus Christ. If, you, if I say uh, the greatest commandment that John's talking about here is loving God, the, the greatest commandments are from the Old Testament to the New. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The reality is, is you and I don't do that fully, right? But we have this propensity as believers in Christ. We've been renewed regenerated, made new desires, rewired for godly desires, we have a love for Jesus Christ. We have a love for God. The greatest commandments here is keeping his commandments with life service, not lip service, is is a commitment. What I've said, what makes a great church is a great commitment to the great commandments. Let's love God together. Amen. How are we going to find life? Let's love God. If he's truly the creator of everything. 
And we're just got a short period of time before eternity. Let's learn to love God and live for God. Amen? And that'll change from lip service to a life service when we love God and we love neighbor. Look what he says further in verse 4. Whoever says, I know him. Some of you say to me, I, I know him. But then look, John exposes it, but does not keep his commandments. He's a liar and the truth is not in him. Over the years, we've had a, a number of folks uh, that have come out of different religious backgrounds that teach a rule-based um, theology, kind of a works-based faith that you just you atone for your sins through all these holy acts, and then just maybe you'll get to God. And we had some gentlemen and ladies over the years come to our church, and they say this, I, I thought I knew him, but I came here and I discovered I didn't know him. See, I had a, they told me, I had a head knowledge, Ryan, but I didn't have a heart knowledge. And you could look at their life, and it was lip service, not life service. Why? Because the demons in hell know about Jesus. Satan knows about Jesus. The demons in hell know about Jesus. They know about God. They know about the cross. They know about church. They know all about it. But it's a head knowledge. It's no heart knowledge. And if we stay in a head knowledge and don't let it come to our hearts, we don't know them. And all we have is lip service, not life service. Question is, your faith more characterized by a life of service or simply lip service? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Well, I don't know. I just grew up Christian. Makes me Christian. Nope. Over here, holy, righteous judge, the only one that says you belong over here is this person, this advocate, this propitiation for your sins. You don't belong to the family of God unless you believe in the Son of Jesus Christ. You don't. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of all our hopes, all our dreams, all our life. He is the person you need to know. He is the one person you don't want to dismiss. Man, I pray for you. I pray that the tomorrow morning that you'll start waking up, that you'll start getting into those daily devotionals and say, I want to meet with you, Jesus. I want to meet with you, God. Ryan talks about this all the time, but I don't know. And just say to him, Lord, be my advocate today. Go before me. Help me. And then, oh, those of you guys who are married, what if you did this? What if you just said, hey, sweetie, how can I pray for you today? Lord, I pray for your help to be upon her in this situation, in that situation. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Powerful, life-changing. Where you've blown it, where you've blown it, stop trying to atone. Just come over here and just say, I'm looking to the cross. I'm confessing my sins and I'm saying, thank you for dying for all the sins of the world. And I'm placing my faith in you. And as you believe, God will help you to walk and behave, follow him and experience more and more of the belonging of God's family. Follow God's plan. Second thing we need to do is that we need to keep his word as the authority. So he differentiates now between keeping the commandments to keeping the word. 
What's the difference? John specifically laid out, hey, look, keep the commands. What are the commands? Love God, love neighbor. So that's going to be a core key theme all throughout 1 John. That's, that's the key theme of our church. The great commandments, love God, love neighbor. Which neighbors? All your neighbors. At least the people right beside you, right? Well, what if they're not Christian? Love your neighbor. Why? God loves the sinner. He hates sin. Jesus is a friend of sinners. He's the friend of sinners. Why is he the friend of sinners? Because he knows the way to life. And he invites us along. Keeping his word means the whole scripture. It's a more broad term. It includes all of scripture, meaning great application. Old Testament, New Testament, all of it is healthy for you. It's authoritative. Where do you go for your final counsel, your final word on a matter, on a situation, on a deal, on anything that you're doing? Go to the word. Let that be the authority in which you rest your life upon, make big decisions upon. And look what it says. The love of God is going to be perfected in you. The love of God. You can't be loving if you don't know the love of God. You need the love of God and you gain that through understanding his word. Keep his word as your authority. And out of that comes great authority. When somebody sins against you, you say, I forgive you. By what power or authority do they forgive? They forgive because they've been forgiven first. I love you even though you've wronged me. How do you do that? Well, you experience the authority of Christ and he loves you. The Bible says we love because we've first been loved because Christ loved us first. All the authority that you need is found in scripture and rooted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. John is laying a foundation I remember as a river guide in Colorado years ago when I was in college, I'd go up to a company called Noah's Ark Whitewater Rafting. I've told you a little bit about it. But there was this guy named Seth. Seth Richardson was the guy's name. And he just breathed scripture. Every time I came up with a challenge or an issue or whatever that was going on, he just kind of like exuded scripture like it just fell off of his lips. And everybody saw him as this person of authority. Because he knew God's word. And let me tell you something. When you're breathing words like that, words of life, it brings life. It builds people up. It gives people direction. Because these are eternal words. Oh, you're not wasting your time by doing a devotional with God. You're gaining time. You're not sacrificing anything. You're making an investment. Number three, you need to live the same way Jesus did. How do we go according to the plan? Follow God's plan for life. You live the same way Jesus did. He says, John says this, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Meaning you live like Jesus lived. You laugh like Jesus laughed. You love like Jesus loved. Jesus celebrated in life and weddings. He went to funerals. He mourned with those who were mourning. He rejoiced with those who were rejoicing. You live the same way Jesus did. You forgive like Jesus. You love like Jesus. You don't freak out like Jesus. Jesus says, quit worrying about everything. Doesn't add anything to your life. Carry that on you and just every single day, Lord, I want to walk and live like you. I want to just walk and live like you in every situation. I'm going to forgive like you forgive. I'm going to confront like you confront. 
Let that be the focus. Let that shape your vision. So let me give you the take-home truth. Take-home truth today is do not deny sin, do not despair in sin, but delight in who God is. He is your advocate. He's the helper. He is your propitiation. You don't have to atone for your sins anymore. You don't have to climb the high holy ladder. Christ already did that for you. Delight in who God is. He's consistent. He's consistent in his character always. Instead of facing a father's fury because you've lived in disobedience and you still walk in disobedience and you still have shadows in your life, shady territory of your heart, you still only find the father's favor because of Christ. Delight in who God is. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are good. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God, that we can rejoice in the work that Christ has done. God, and that we do not have to atone for our sins. It's been paid for once for all. In Jesus' name, fill us with your joy. Fill us with your encouragement. Fill us with your hope. In the name of Christ, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You guys are dismissed. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.